Welcome to Uplifting Women Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Tesca and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They've overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, we can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. It is International Women's Day, which is pretty darn incredible, given what our passion is about uplifting women. It absolutely is a great opportunity for us to do some reflection and some connection among the points that some of our guests have made and some of the things that we think are really important. And this year's theme for International Women's Day is around breaking the bias. When you think about the things that we can do today, having a conversation about how we do that and the best ways to recommend to our listeners to do that is probably one of the most important things we can do today. I couldn't agree more. And as I was getting ready for this recording of this podcast, it reminded me to pull out the Women in the Workplace report that McKinsey puts out on an annual basis. So I'm looking at the 2021 version, which I believe is the most current here. And I'm going to just read a little bit of the opening pieces of this to ground us in this conversation. So it starts off, in spite of the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, women's representation had improved across most of the corporate pipeline at the end of 2020. This is an encouraging sign and worth recognizing after an incredibly difficult year. But there are also persistent gaps in the pipeline. Promotions at the first step up to manager are not equitable and women of color lose ground in representation at every level. There is still a broken rung at the first step up to manager. Since 2016, we have seen the same trend. Women are promoted to manager at far lower rates than men. And this makes it nearly impossible for companies to lay a foundation for sustained progress at more senior levels. And it also goes on to say women of color account for only 4% of C-suite leaders, a number that hasn't moved significantly in the past three years. One of the reasons you and I started this podcast was because this information bothered us so much. True. It really does. And I think cheers that we've made a little progress, but at the rate we're going, it's going to be 400 years before we get to it. That's the problem. And as we talk about International Women's Day and promoting equality, there are so many layers to this. It's not just about being a woman. It's also about bringing all the other 
diverse aspects of who we are to the workplace and the bias that exists around the perceptions people have based on that variety, that mix. And one of the things that I've been keenly interested in is this notion of intersectionality, you know, where you're not only a woman, you're also perhaps a woman of color, or you are perhaps a woman. Let's take me, for example, I'm an older woman. I have gray hair. I could stand to lose a few pounds. These are all things that create bias around how you are accepted and the microaggressions that occur around each of the biases that we bring, it adds up over time. It certainly does. And it really has an impact to your point on that first level of transition from say an individual contributor in an organization to a leader or a manager in an organization. And I hear things in my world in a human resources capacity, such as professional presence. And we've really worked with the leaders that I work with to reframe what professional presence means and what that really actually translates to in behaviors and outcomes. And I think it's that transition to what are the outcomes we're looking for and how do people get to those outcomes and not defining professional behavior in such a narrow scope. And that then expands into the hiring realm where we start to talk about talent acquisition. And for years, I heard in my role in human resources, this person isn't a cultural fit. And it took me a very long time to recognize that for what it actually was. And it really is a veiled way to say this person won't be accepted. This person doesn't look like us, talk like us, think like us. They won't fit. And that whole idea of cultural fit, I think, has been one of the most damaging to the advancement of women in the workplace and getting into those initial roles and then making that move up to management. So I think when we think about those microaggressions, they show up in so many different ways that we're conditioned to believe aren't bias or aren't discrimination. And that whole concept of breaking the bias of the 2022 International Women's Day around just having the awareness that bias exists and we all have it. I have it. You have it. Everyone has those biases. And it's, do we get to take that pause and make a decision about, oh, I'm recognizing something. Do I want to do something differently? Do I want to say something differently? Do I want to act in a different way? And I think that's where if we have the opportunity to catch ourselves early in those conversations, just like we want to catch people early in their careers, we potentially have an opportunity to make a huge difference. I I couldn't agree more. And I love the piece that you mentioned about culture. Somebody won't fit into the culture. And really that's a mask for they don't act and look like us. What is the proper culture? A culture should be open to all the variety that 
brings us the best of everyone to the collective. So it's, uh, and we don't think about those microaggressions. There's a, and I will put in the show notes, folks, a link to the website for International Women's Day. There are some amazing resources that are available there and it's all free for the taking. So I would highly encourage people to, to grab onto this, but to tag into one of the things that really interested me from the site is they have a presentation on 50 ways to fight bias. And here's an example. You notice that your colleague who is a woman gets spoken over and interrupted more often than others during virtual team meetings. Oh my gosh, how many times have we seen this? How many times have we experienced this? And what do we do about it? What do we do about it? I later in my career would hold up my hand and pause people and say, Hey, wait a second was speaking. Let's let them finish. But then there's also, there's also a bias that occurs against me when I do that. Okay. Who are you to stop this? Unintentional. I get it. Just another example of some of the stuff that goes on or complimenting. And I probably have done this too. Complimenting somebody from um, another culture about being articulate. <laughs> I'm sure I've said that. I'm sure I've said, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm guilty of it. I confess. Do I mean that in a mean way? No, I don't mean that in a mean way. It's to say, I can tell that you have really practiced to try to fit in though. That's really what I'm saying. You fit so much better Right. In my perception. Because you speak because, like me. Right. Because we talk like each other. Or I think of even something as personal and as important to someone as their name. Mm-hmm. How many people have we interacted with who have changed their name or given themselves a nickname so as not to make other people feel uncomfortable? And we think about that when we talk to people now, and I think about it when we are now getting into this era where we are being very um, open about our pronouns and very open about how we'd like to be referred to. And I think as we look at the breaking the bias theme for this year's International Women's Day, not only is the bias around women, I think it, as we've talked about, it expands much greater than that. Definitely. But when I think about the, the guests that we've had on the show so far and the conversations that we've had around the advancement of women and how many women have talked about the importance of mentors and champions and role models. And we think about those things of, of, what can I do? So we all want a call to action. What can I do? I think there's nothing as important or as available to all of us who might be listening as that opportunity to mentor or champion or sponsor a woman in the workplace and help them work through the things that are happening with them and help them reach that next level in the organization. 
And that takes us to another word that's real important these days, allyship. Allyship, the state or condition of being an ally, supportive association with another person or group, confronting bias and discrimination against underrepresented groups. You put yourself at risk too when you do that. It takes a lot of courage. And I think that's one of the things that's really important to me is to help people feel courageous enough to step into that space, to take that stand, to point out the transgression, if you will, in what's happening, because you don't know what the person that you're calling out, so to speak, (laughs) is going to, you don't know how they're going to, how they're going to respond. It's really crazy. I was in a conversation this week. I'm sorry. I I was in a conversation this week with two other gentlemen and I won't get into the big picture of what it was, but um, they were from different parts of the country. And one of them asked, where do you, where is it that you reside? And the other guy said, oh, she's got to be from Wisconsin because of her, edit that out, please. (laughs) Because of her accent. Now, I don't know about you. I don't think I have an accent. Do you think you have an accent, Kristen? No, but yet, and I didn't feel judged by it, but there was just a slight feeling of why can't I hide that better? That's what went through my head. Why can't I hide that better? And that's where we start to lose people. That's where we start to lose the wholeness. That's where we start to lose the uniqueness Yes. at that moment in time where someone, and it starts as a small child, but where someone learns the lesson of, I will get better results if I pretend or work to eliminate this from my demeanor, my personality, my accent, the way I dress, what I do with my hair, what, if I really want to be successful, and again, we're talking about the success that we defined as a society, then I have to fit a certain way of behaving, way of looking, what have you. Exactly. And that's why I bring that up because I know that they did not intend to cause that reaction in me, but that's what came up in my head. Why can't I get rid of this accent? So people don't know that I come from Wisconsin. (laughs) Pretty crazy. All right. Where do we want to go next? I think one of the interesting things about some of the resources that you mentioned again, were available on the website are around these prime employer behaviors for women. And when I think about some of the things that we work to do in a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space, it starts really with that executive leadership commitment and thinking about what your organization can do to demonstrate that commitment because for as long as I've been in corporate America, we have a, I've had a lot of leaders say that this is something that's important and talk about it. However, it's what is that next step of commitment? What is that next step of action that comes from it? 
So I would encourage you, if you are a person who can help set the strategy for an organization, or you have the opportunity to have conversations around the actions that executive leaders can take to demonstrate their commitment to gender equity and a culture of diversity, I think that could be something starting the year 2022 that could be really impactful for people in your organizations to help them start to even feel comfortable having some of the conversations that we've been talking about. I agree. It it starts at the top and it's such a big, big topic. It, It almost is organization specific about what is it that you're trying to accomplish as an organization? What is going to bring, what kinds of people are going to bring the right thinking to your organization? And then how do you zero in on bolstering that? In the resources for International Women's Day, they actually have card sets that drill you down into specific areas, which I find pretty interesting. For example, they have a whole section on addressing the broken rung. If you're an organization that's really struggling, and the numbers are the data is there to support what we're saying. Women do not get those first opportunities. For every 100 men that are promoted into the first manager level role, only 86 women are, okay? And considering we're 50% of the population, that should be pretty, pretty, that it should be a lot closer than it is. And if you don't have women moving into those roles early in their career, you can't expect that you've got a pipeline of people to put into those roles at more senior level. It seems to me we've got to figure out how to fix that. That's like the entry point, if you will. So the examples here, they've just got, they have a ton of things. Do you have bias in hiring? They have tools for that. For managers, for senior leaders, the experiences of women of color, experiences of mothers. Until I was looking at this, I didn't even stop to think that puts me in another category because I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother too. I've got all these layers of things. It's tough to figure out how are you being judged and how are people weighing your contributions based on those many layers of who it is that you bring? And I think the important thing to recognize is that we'll never know what's happening for somebody else in their mind about how they're thinking about us. I think the one thing that we can control is how we're thinking about others and how we're talking about others and how we maybe are not necessarily calling them others. And thinking about the concept that I was just exposed to this week, quite honestly, we were talking with a group of people who was focused on this issue and we were looking at demographics in our organization and we have them called out as perhaps white males. And then instead of diversity applicants or something along those lines, renaming it global majority. Mm. And just the the word change alone, I think probably will strike a chord with many of our listeners. But at the same time, that light bulb for me of it even goes so far as those basic words that I'm even used to seeing in charts that I've looked at for the 25 years of my career. 
mm-hmm. when you reframe it into what it already is, it's not minority candidates. It is global majority. That was a moment that actually took me back physically to say, oh my goodness, we are talking about a 180 degree difference in the way that we are talking and perceiving a group of people. Mm-hmm. That's a really good call out. Really good call out. Another um, piece of information that I came across in my preparing for this conversation was in one study, job applicants with white sounding names got what percentage more callbacks than identical job applicants with black sounding names? What do you think the the difference is? I would say it's probably maybe 50% more. You hit it right on the head. 50% more callbacks. If you just have a white sounding name. And I'm sure you could look at it from a male to a female oh, as yeah. well. Totally. So exactly. I'm, I'm curious about how many men have the name, let's say, Carrie, for example, mm-hmm. who might just be on paper, assuming that they're female. There's a number of names that fall in that category. Dana is another one that jumps out at me. The many layers that exist are just incredible. And as individuals, we can't fix all of it. We, it's not possible. The things that we can do is we can advocate for being, for greater awareness and choose something. I don't care what it is. I don't care how small it is. You have to choose some kind of an action to take around this. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to change the world. It just has to be one thing. If you are in meetings where you see people being spoken over. And this is not just women. People get talked over all the time. Maybe you make a commitment to hit the pause button in that meeting and say, hey, wait, I had something to say. Let's go back and let them finish what their thought was. That's small. That's small of an action. And I think, Holly, that brings us full circle to the guests that we've had so far on the podcast the conversations that we've had so far on the podcast to do one thing, pick something, take an action. It doesn't have to be starting a podcast. It can be something, but just do something. Exactly. Do something and reach out for help to others. Again, a lot of the stories we bring are inspirational people that have had to overcome a lot of what we're talking about stereotypes, biases, microaggressions that they've had to live through. The stories that we bring forward are people that have found a way through that fog to be able to step into their full potential. And that's really what we're talking about here in this conversation. It's about valuing everybody's contribution in a way that honors who they are and allows them to contribute to the greater good of our entire world, the the whole of mankind, just by being able to be themselves. Wouldn't that be a wonderful world to live in? Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women podcast. 
Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to uplifting women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you. Please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.